All right, we are live, the All-Star MMA live show. We are here to recap UFC Vegas 72, Song Yadong versus Ricky Simone. It was a it was an interesting interesting fight, man, and the way it played out, you know, entering the fight, Song Yadong, he was the underdog and Ricky Simone, he was the favorite and a lot of people felt like Simone was going to go in there and be able to wrestle him. And that was not the case. Uh, before we get into uh, what uh, my co's believe or think of the fight, make sure you guys go in the descriptions and download the All-Star app. Make your picks on the app. You know, the app is uh, running strong with the community. And join the community, man, and, and, and do your thing against each other. Um, so, Sicko, let's start with you, man. What would you think of how the fight played out? How how Song Yudong came out? What'd you think of his performance? Surprised, surprised that he just looked to be a cut above Simone. Like I didn't expect him to just look like he was on a different level. I think that's probably the best I've ever seen him, to be honest. Uh, I and I'm saying that with him looking really good against Sanhagen. Obviously, we know the stoppage happened. Sanhagen had success like he always does. But even in that fight, I was like, man, Song's really putting it together and in this fight i was like dude blown away by his performance like i said the best performance i've seen and i don't know if it's i don't know if it had to do with simone being the perfect partner for him maybe he that style what he brings to the table or the things that he lacks is just a perfect uh you know the perfect storm for song yadong but it also might be just because he's 25 years old and he's finally coming to his own. And we remember him at 22 and 23, which now he's 25. He's barely starting to enter his prime. And if this is the peak of it, or this is the start of it, that peak of it is going to be crazy. Yeah, um, I'm going to throw this uh, throw this on the screen real quick for you guys to to look at, to, to marvel on. Let me see this. All right, here we go. All right, so... Right here. So these are the statistics, right, from the fight. We had uh, Song Yudong with two knockdowns. He landed 110 strikes to 64 for uh, Simone. 105 significant strikes to 60 significant for Simone. 55 headshots, 27 body shots to nine only by Simone. And uh, the leg kicks as well, you know what I mean? Uh, Song Yudong, 23 to three. And uh, the takedowns were on Simone's side, but that was really early in the fight, right? Like in, in the first round, you know what I mean? A lot, of, a lot of people were on the fence. Some people said that they felt like Song Yudong won that first round. I thought Simone edged it out a little bit, you know what I mean? Because um, he did mix in the grappling. But I feel like Simone hit a wall in the second round. You know, like he just hit the wall. He just wasn't, he knew he weren't, he wasn't going to be able to wrestle with, uh, with Song. And like he didn't have a plan B, Jay Speck. What do you think? Do, do you do you think that's what happened? Is like he just didn't have a plan B, and whatever he thought it was going to work just didn't work. I think that he no. I think he he ran out of a plan D. You know, I think he tried to strike with him, thought thought that wasn't working. Then he was like, "Oh, I'm a wrestle." That wasn't really working. Um, so maybe a plan C. Right, so I won't, I would jump all the way to D, but you know what I'm saying is I think he just found a guy who mirrors him in a lot of his strengths areas. Obviously, the two different fighters, two different styles, but when you talk about strength departments, like what they're really good at, they're kind of similar. 
uh, and, and a lot of departments. So I just, Ricky just ran into a dude on his night on fire. You know, Ricky's a great fighter. Um, I picked I picked a song to win, but I was very reserved. And I, I also said during our watch party with Sicko and I, we I said, like, dude, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ricky wins this. Like, this is not one of those where I think anybody's super, super confident on. But, man, um, I don't know what the wall thing. I guess I, I'll agree with that. I think he just hit, like, yeah, a wall. You know what? I, I like that now that I think about it and say it a few times in my own head because he just ran out of options, and he's too damn tough to make it look bad, right? He's too skilled to to look just totally destroyed. Like, I agree with what uh, Sicko said earlier about uh, looking at class above, you know, or looking a level above, but at no point was Ricky just like, we're like, oh, what the fuck's going on until he, obviously, you know, until the end end. But uh, yeah, I mean, the conclusion be what it may, the, the better, clearer, better fighter of the night one and totally happy with it. And on the, it's one of those fuse that you also go to like with Ricky, like great fight, bro. Like I know this goes on an L on your permanent professional record, but not an L to anyone who watched it. Nobody, nobody who watches fights is going to take that as an L for Ricky. That was a good fight, solid fight. Just a song might be, um, what was the word? Sickle just brought up. He's just entering his prime, right? Like we could see, we could see the light starting to go full intensity on this fighter right before our very eyes right now. Song, he's only twenty five, so you know I don't know if he's in his prime yet. But you never know when the prime is going to come in a fighter. But he just he did look sharp, you know. I mean, he did look. Really good on the feed. His defensive wrestling was looking, you know, solid. You know, I mean, he his speed, um, just everything was flowing for him. And he was very patient. And I think that was important in this fight. He knew he had five rounds. He knew he had the cardio to go all five rounds. And I think once he stepped into that second round, he kind of knew, like, yo, I don't even, I'm not even going to have to use too much effort to wrestle this guy. Like, I know what to do when he grabs my hips. Like, it's, it's going to be pretty... I'm not going to say easy, but, you know, I understand. And, and, you know, training over at Team Alpha Male and actually having your coach being a guy that already beat Ricky Simone, it's yeah. kind of a trip, right? Like, like you, we saw it. The game plan was the game plan was perfect. You said it yourself about the being patient. That's probably the best part of the fight for me or the best part of his game plan. It was patience with pressure. That's hard to do. It's hard to stay patient and still be on the front foot or still be moving forward, marching somebody down. And he was able to do that. Usually we see Ricky just pushing forward, putting the pace on people, chain, chaining wrestling together. And this time we didn't like it. Ricky was on his back foot and you can see that that was the game plan. Like, hey, we can't let this dude walk you down. Can't let your back be against the fence. You have to pressure. So to be able to pressure and still stay patient while pressuring, that's when you start seeing guys like reach that next level. That's no the funny part that didn't get brought up during the watch party was just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about legacy, right? Like legacy lineage and who you're from and all that. That actually didn't, that's a good storyline that just really kind of went, you know, under the radar, so to speak. Like nobody really talked too much about the whole Uriah triangle, you know, situation that was just previously mentioned. So I just yeah. thought that was worth talking about. Yeah. Well, I don't, yeah. It's like, I don't think that we heard about it until like the actual fight was over with. I believe I didn't saw Uriah in there. Yeah, like yeah, back yeah. In the oh, day, oh yeah, it's Uriah. Yeah, like back in the day, this would have been like a big deal. 
like, oh, yeah. guy beats all the guy at the gym is you're gonna go two and zero oh against the same gym or zero oh and two, excuse me, at the same gym. Like back in the day, that's a story, you know. But times have changed. Oh, definitely, times has changed. If you're watching, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, hit the like, share if you can. Um, if you have any opinion about the main event, about how Ricky Simone performed, about how Song Yadong performed, put it in the comments. We'll throw it on the screen. Let's get some people on here uh vamshi manny good day guys good what's up man uh he says song was super sharp definitely super sharp preston song that good or is simone really not that good compared to his ranking yeah um i believe song was ranked higher than simone but simone was the favorite right it was it was a weird situation right there uh manny says uh he looked cautious song speed kept him at bay Definitely Preston also adding uh song speed and cardio were levels above Simone. Um, and again, uh, she says that's the key stayed on Ricky and made him throw first. Well, it, it kind of reminds me of, um, of, uh, what is it? What, uh, there was a storyline ahead of this fight after the weigh-ins because Ricky Simone, he's super thick, right? Like he's pretty big for the division. Boy. And I think Aljamain Sterling was the one that said, that he's a weight bully. Like he goes in there and he cuts a lot of weight and he kind of throws people around. Maybe that was something to it. Maybe Ricky Simone's not made for five round fights. You know what I mean? Like he's a three round fighter, you know, like there's certain guys that just can't last that long. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes they're not even a two round fighter. They're a one round fighter. And if they exert too much <sighs> effort in the first round, they kind of fall off a cliff for the rest of the rounds. And maybe that's something you could look into as well from Simone's performance is that he put a lot of effort into the uh, first round. And was he hurt at the end of the first round? Did he get knocked out or was that the second round? He got uh, cracked in later. one of those rounds, right? It was a little bit later when he started getting cracked. Like right in the third is when I'm, I'm pretty sure the third round is when he got okay. cracked real bad. Well, it was kind of maybe, maybe this is something. It's a theory that he exerted a lot of effort, right? A lot of energy in that first round. And then he tried to pace himself. Cause he kind of understood like, Oh shit, I might have to go all five rounds with this. And that actually helped song Yadong Cause he was patient. He put the pressure on him and, and made him swing and miss a lot. You know what I mean? He swung and missed a lot, right? Like it was uh, a yeah. striking like gap. You saw it in this fight and even the power, you know what I mean? The power you saw song crack him a bunch of times and, and mixing it up as well. Um, you don't really see Simone mixing in kicks as much as Song did. If you look at the stats like we put up earlier, 23 kicks landed compared to three kicks landed. And he That's... only threw three kicks. 100% yeah. accuracy. Like, <laughs> yeah, typical hats numbers. Yeah. yeah I mean, just the, the diversity of the striking and just attacking oh. each level, it just kept him. It just kept him at bay. When you're mixing oh. up the striking like that, he just stayed. Headbutt. Manny said it i forgot about that he was knocked down but it was the headbutt, headbutt. or the clash, the of, clash heads. of heads the clash of heads in the first round and maybe that was it too maybe that clash of heads really you know shook up his brain who knows you know what i mean i'm just saying but I mean, like, there's be, a lot of be. possibilities in that fight but i just think song was so good i don't want to take yeah. anything away from him he just looked sharp man i don't want to he did i don't want to say something was off with ricky i don't want it to take away from what song Yadong did because he looked great and he was looking really good against Corey sandhagen like when he was in there with Corey, i was like man this might be the best i've seen him even though he lost so when he I, came into this one i was like dude he's he's starting to hit a different gear now 
You know what's weird and slightly off topic, but I'm just going to throw this in there is, you know, the UFC allegedly changed, and I say allegedly because I, I guess it's a fact. I don't know why I said that, but the gloves to get rid of the poking of the eye situation that was a little bit of a problem in the league. Now they got a headbutting problem, in my opinion. The amount of head clashing that is causing significant impact on the outcome of a match is very high right now. It's it's I want to say it's almost higher. It's 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 higher than the era where headbutts was legal. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like every week we come out of a fight uh, of significance, just like this one, and there's a there's a big fucking red light on it with this headbutt clash of head issue. And obviously, it's a clash of heads. Headbutting is when you do it on purpose. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, man, I, I don't know, uh, UFC or the commissions or whatever. I don't know what the answer is. Sorry, I'm going on a rant here. I just think it needs to be said. Like the the head clashing drama needs to slow the hell down. It's ruining fights. All right, so now we got a situation here, right? With with Song Yadong, what's next for him? Right, he's sitting at number eight in the rankings. He just beat number ten. Um, he called out, I believe, Sean O'Malley and Mar- Marlon Vera for a rematch. I like I like the Mar- Marlon Vera fight, the rematch. That was, I believe, that was somewhat controversial that that matchup, and I think Song kind of understands it was controversial. And Marlon Vera sitting at number five, you know what I mean? I think that's a good good target. I don't think they're gonna give him Sean O'Malley, no matter what you want in that division. Sean O'Malley, he's gonna fight for the title. Most too dangerous yeah. for Sean. Too dangerous. Yeah. No way. They're not going to risk that. Exactly. No so, um, what do you guys think? What do you, What do you think? If you look at the 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 rankings, you got Marab who's sitting there like a like a I don't even know like a dangling cherry for, for he doesn't know what he wants to do because his friend is the champion. You got Corey Sandhagen who already beat Song. You got Peter Yan, Vera Font, Cruz. Who do you put against? Uh, Song Yadong. Let's start with you, Jay Spec. I'm shooting for I'm shooting for that uh Jan or Vera fight. Uh just because I think Vera I think Vera would be the coolest one, but I know he just fought. Uh and it's up to him if he wants to keep going. But yeah, Jan, I think Jan would would be a good one for, for Peter because uh you know he's he's been fighting tough dudes. And I mean Song is a tough dude too, but it kind of gives you some clarity on how much um, Jan is left and or how good Song might be right now. So that that's, that's kind of tempting to me. And Vera, you know, Vera, the Vera matchup, the, I don't think needs to be discussed any much further. I think anybody would want to see that. Uh, there you go. That's my two picks. Sicko, what do you think? Yeah, for me, it's Cheeto, like easily. There's a storyline behind it. He won, but a lot of the public doesn't think he won. I think the majority of the public kind of thought Cheeto should get the nod in that one. Cheeto's been loud about it. He's been wanting that rematch. He's talked about it previously. Uh, Cheeto's been calling out Piotr Jan himself, but we know Cheeto. Cheeto's down to fight. Cheeto's down to fight whoever. He didn't take a whole lot of damage against Corey. No injuries, anything like that, setting him back. He wants to fight. Piotr would be great, too. I just haven't seen Piotr, like, talking about a fight i haven't seen him calling anyone out which isn't really his thing he's not like a big social media presence guy but i just haven't seen much from him i don't know where his headspace is that fight i'm down with but the cheeto fight just makes perfect sense to me marab 
uh, Sanhagen. I feel like they should get a fight going. Sanhagen's been calling him out. He wants to fight him. Seems like nobody wants to fight Marab. So if you finally have somebody, that eliminates those two. So it's it's easy for me, Cheeto, for sure. Yeah, Marab is in a he's in a shitty situation right here because the UFC obviously wants Sean O'Malley to fight the winner of uh, Sterling and uh, and Henry Cejudo, and so basically Marab has to fight somebody. So I think what they're gonna do this is my this is my speculation is that Marab's gonna end up fighting Corey Sanhagen on a fight night main event. They're gonna definitely put him in a main event somewhere with Corey Sanhagen. Five rounds. That's a five round fight, right? You can't put three rounds on that. That's a five round fight right there. You gotta give him time to to kill each other. I love to say that, right? You got to give them time to kill each other. Three rounds is not enough time, right? These guys. Um, so you, Song Yadong, yeah. That's, I think that's the two best options there. Um, Jan or Vera, right? The, those are those guys are kind of like the more of the elder statesmen of the top 15, right? They've been around a little bit longer. They fought the who's who of the division. One's a former champion. I think Jan is probably the better fight to give Song. The reason why is because he is a former champion and that sells better. That's a main event as well. That's a five round fight. Imagine that that battle right there. Two 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 strikers just going at it. And uh and if you look at the rest of the division, Rob Font sitting there, he just coming off a big win against um uh, Adrian Yanez and then Dominic Cruz. I don't think Dominic Cruz has a fight and he hasn't fought in so long. I don't understand like why he's just sitting around in the rankings. They should put it put together Dominic Cruz against Rob Font. I think that would be a great fight. I think Rob Font deserves a fight like that, right? He he just knocked off one of the hottest prospects in the division. I think you give him Dominic Cruz. I think that's a that's a solid fight. We just made your jobs easy, easy UFC. Done, so, done, done. Take it. Take that advice, man. Yeah. I mean, that division's kind of easy to pair up, right? There's just so yeah. many guys that need fights, <laughs> yeah. so many guys that we would all love to see fight each other. It's crazy that when you look at that top 10, yeah, there's a few that have fought each other, but there's still a lot of matchups that we haven't seen yet. I just Rob believe... versus Umar. That's the fight I think that they're going to probably put together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Marab, like, what a weird, what a weird place to be, dude. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to ruin the very tiny window of opportunity that professional sports allows me to be at the peak of everything in my life matching opportunity with chance and you're just gonna be like nah we're friends can't can't fight for the belt because we're friends like yeah we're friends and we can be friends right before the bell rings and right after the bell rings and in between that shit i'm trying to fucking knock your ass out like that's crazy this is a championship of the world so i think rob's a fool i could i could see him getting a title fight though next if his boy doesn't win like i know sean o'malley's said that he's been promised I don't think Dana and them have said officially, like, yeah, Sean O'Malley's not fighting. He's getting the next title shot. And I thought it was interesting that Marab won and jumped O'Malley in the rankings. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. You're probably thinking rankings don't mean anything. I 100% agree. But sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't mean that that's the next guy up. But sometimes they want it to mean that it is a possibility. Hey, don't think that Sean O'Malley has it guaranteed. If Henry Cejudo goes out there and wins, and Aljo says, hey, that was my time. I'm done with this division. That weight cut sucked. I'm moving up. Make way for Marab. I can see the UFC going, okay, do we do Sean O'Malley and Cejudo? That makes a lot of sense. 
what also makes a lot of sense matchup wise is Marab Cejudo, Sean O'Malley, Corey Sanhagen. That's just to me, those are more interesting fights. They're funner fights to watch. I can see that happening. Now, what happens if they told Sean he he's getting the next huddle fight? Money talks, right? They just throw him an extra bag. He's like, cool, I'm down with it. So don't don't think Marab for sure isn't getting a title shot next. If Henry wins, I can see that happening. Remember back in the day, like they used to put like the the co-main event of the weight class, if there was a belt up for grabs, the co-main event would basically be number one contender. So we don't have to waste our lives arguing about these dumb positions and rankings and crap that is completely arbitrary at this point in the game. Like, uh, I miss those days. I think they would like to. Like, They would probably like to have a Marab O'Malley regardless of the winner. But what happens if Marab and Aljo win? You can't do it in that weight class because Marab that's, and Aljo aren't fighting each other. That's the whole thing. That goes back to my original statement. That that's crazy talk. Tell about the world championship here. We're not not fighting nobody. That's like, that's okay, I'll fight everybody sometimes. Not everybody all the time. Whatever. Whatever. We'll, we'll get into uh, the fight later on in the show. The the fight between Aljamain Sterling and, and Henry Cejudo. We'll talk about that a little bit since that's next week's pay-per-view. Uh, headliner um let's go to the co-main event we had kayo bohayo go in there second round submission the guy you know he's 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 a he's a character man like he, he's a character that can scrap and uh j-spec oh, yeah. what do you think about how that fight played out i feel like a proud relative or whatever, um, Kyle and myself, plus you know the watch group, we uh, we've had the benefit of talking with this young man since literally um, on his entry into the contender series. You know, so getting to see him all the way up to this point now, co, co- uh, main eventing a card is beautiful. Obviously, I was biased to all hell. On this fight, I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to even act like I w- I came into this objectively into this fight. I was full blown uh, Team Ohio, and um, I think there was a couple of red flags in the the fight that I'm so glad turned out to be just warnings and hopefully lessons he can review on tape. But when he came out, he was a lot more, and uh, he being Kyle, being um. A little overly animated, perhaps, you know, like dangerously aggressive, as we see sometimes, maybe too too soon to bite. Um, and he 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 was he was being a little crazy uh, early on. I mean, he there was some. I'm sure if anybody goes back and watches it, they're like, "Whoa, man, that punch could have cleaned him out, or that situation could have gone against him very hard." But uh, results being what they were, uh, very happy of it, uh, and can't wait to see this guy continue to blossom because he is going back to you know we talked about a couple weeks ago you know guys who are just genuinely themselves and authentic you don't gotta be like so and so you don't gotta be like so and so else and there's a lot of people buying into the bad guy or the gimmick or buying into the the wrestling phenomenon kyle is his own unique creature he flies his flag and i love him for it uh and i'm glad he, he got his shit together Basically, you know, not 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 cutting any words or critiques, even from a guy like I'm glad he got his shit together because he was he put himself in some dangerous situations, throwing extra hard like he was throughout that fight. Well, you know, 
it, it just shows you that he has a chin because Macau, he can crack. That boy, he's taken out a lot of light heavyweights. And for some reason, he's small for middleweight. It's it's wild to me. Like, how does he come in, you know, weight class down and he's smaller than the guys in that weight? That's why you see a lot of guys moving from middleweight to light heavyweight and having no problem because they're just massive. Anyways, uh, the performance was phenomenal. I, I, I feel like he was trying to, like, play the game in the first round with with Mikhail to see like how really how good Mikhail really is on the feet you know what I mean and and he got cracked a few times right solid yeah. punches and uh it sh he showed his chin you know what I mean like he he knows he knows when to like switch up the game plan and in that second round he goes in there and just bulldozes through him like he could have probably done that in the first round he just didn't you know what I mean he did take some risks but you know like sometimes in this game you got to kind of test yourself I think that's what he did in that first round. And it was a big spot, co-main event for him. I know in a fight night, a co-main event doesn't really mean anything. But for him, in his mind, it's probably a big spot against a guy that is a, a veteran of the sport, a veteran of the UFC that has knocked out a lot of dudes, dangerous power. And he goes in there, takes those punches, moves forward, takes them down, submits them pretty easy. Um, the guy... You know, some people are talking about future champ. Preston's in the chat saying he's a future champ. Sicko, do you see future champ in him? You know, he's 4-0 in the UFC contender series. He beat Aaron Jeffries on there to, to get the contract. And then, um, actually, he, he was on a contender series twice, which is crazy. Um, and uh, he's on a 13-fight win streak, man. What do you see? Do you see him, like, being a problem for – he? Is he another Brendan Allen coming up? What, what do you see in him? Man, that's tough to say. I, he's – extremely skilled he's great he needs to have a more measured approach going in i know he wants to be exciting and i think that's what he's gonna have to realize is like do i always want to be exciting or do i just want to try to find a win he came out like he was shot out of a damn cannon that first round and we saw him like coming out he's dancing he's hype he's jumping up and down like he's just chomping at the bit to get in there he gets in there and he's Big movements, flying knees, spinning attacks, huge lead hooks, darting in with over right, overhand rights, like huge movements trying to take this dude's head off. And I'm like, oh, man, he's going to gas out. Like he's going to gas out or get clipped. This is just not a good approach. I don't know what Kyle's doing in there. Like he needs to relax a little bit. But credit to him, credit to his team. I don't know what the corner was saying to him. But the second round comes out way more measured, gets to the takedown and he's smarter about his level change because he tried right he shot in the first round but he's from far out it's just like i'm just gonna throw this power double leg and just show everyone i'm gonna lift this dude up and slam him didn't work second round he's like all right i'm gonna faint now i'm gonna start getting inside a little bit better have a more measured approach to this level change and he got the fight where he wanted it so credit to him even if the first round i felt like was a bad way to come out he made the adjustments and he got the win and he is a problem like, we can see it. You don't go on 13-fight win streaks for no reason. You don't come out and get undefeated in your first three or four fights in the UFC for no reason. Like, he is going to be a problem. I'm just interested to see if how he plays through the, do I want to be entertaining and a finisher, or can I just get a win against anybody over, especially if he starts getting into the five-round territory. I need to see Jace, that before. <laughs> Jay Speck, um, what's, what's next for for Kyle, you know, he called out Brunson. Um, Brunson's already talking about he doesn't know who he is, really. You know, he never seen him fight. Um, Preston's saying, I hope they don't feed him to Brunson. That's moving up too fast. Uh, Kyle's only 30. Is that moving too fast? To Brunson right now? 
I don't think so. Like this Brunson is diminished. Like so, we're not talking like Brunson two years ago. Brunson, that would be too much. Even even Brunson last year, until I didn't know for sure he was fully used up. And I say that respectfully. I do like you a lot, Mister Brunson. Uh, I just mean at the world title challenger used up, not like can't win fights. Um, man, Kyle, no, I I think Kyle has all the rights in the world to to take that fight. I think that's smart. We see that with a lot of guys. Look, every single thing Kyle has done so far has been a one one clear. Maybe it's a two. You could look at it different ways. But he, every time he's entered the octagon, he's gone one level above, one level above, next level above, and so on and so forth. Now, maybe Brunson is a little bit more than one level because we've got to love Derek Brunson. But I, I see it as a wise call out to a veteran that has an incredible respect from the fans would catapult Kyle into that, hey, everybody know my name now kind of category. Uh, shit, I'm not mad at it at, at, at all. I think he could pull it off. M is saying Kyle versus Brunson is a good fight. Kyle has four wins already and two on contender series. Definitely that's facts right there. Um, I can see him getting Brunson considering the last four guys he fought. UFC sometimes likes to give favorable matchups after testing. Yes, this guy. And uh M is saying, what about Brendan? I think Brendan Allen is on a different trajectory. You know what I mean? Like he he's fought guys already in the top 15. Um, I, I feel like the fight to make is Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis is number 15 in the rankings. And Kyle's not, he just, he didn't beat anybody in the rankings yet. So why would you catapult him to a guy that's a, is a top 10 fighter? You know what I mean? He might not be, um, you know, what is it? He might not be the same Derek Brunson, but he still, you know, has that number. You know what I mean? I think the UFC wants to like put Brunson against someone like Roman. You know what I mean? Roman is a guy that's already in the top 15 that probably deserves someone that with the name after his fight that he probably won against uh Vittori, right? He's got that one. So maybe they'll put that together. But uh yeah, but I don't know if they'll put him against Brandon Allen. Maybe Muniz. Muniz would be a good fight, right? Like Muniz is coming off a loss. He's number 14. Chris Curtis, does he have a fight already? Um, I don't know, but I'll say right now, I don't want Chris Curtis and Kyle to fight. I like those guys a lot. Like said, well, we got to take that away. You can't uh, like, I can't, you know, no, you can't I like people, you know what I mean? Uh, they can't fight because if they were fighting for the title, you know what I mean? Like you would, they would fight for the title, right? Of oh, course. So Curtis is scheduled for uh, Nas- uh, Nasserdine. I'm an off. Yeah, I was just uh, looking right field. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think uh Muniz Muniz would be a good matchup um I think Gastelum is going down to 170 for some crazy reason why now you know what I mean that makes no sense I think I would bet against really? him <laughs> I think I would yeah let's well, yeah like dude, he talked about guys. that so long ago like that yeah. taking up on nutrition now you can yeah. you can literally google like uh his his name and nutritionist and the date is gonna roll back like 2017 or some shit and it's gonna be it's gonna be talking about him, you know, trying to change change weights appropriately. Well, man, you know, when you got the Mexican food is good, man. And I know that's probably his crutch, you know, in camp. It's just like he's smelling the smells and you can't Don't get away me. from it. Don't know, blame so. me, Mr. Gaslam. Stay at middleweight. Fuck it. Yeah. It's worth it. Um <laughs> I don't know. When I'm a... looking at the top 15. Derek Brunson, I kind of like that more than the rest, to be honest with you. I mean, some of them are just already paired up, coming off of losses. I mean, Derek Brunson's coming off a loss himself. 
But I like that matchup for Kyle. I like that matchup because Derek Brunson, it's the time is is towards the end, right? Like we have to see what's left in Derek Brunson. He talked about retiring after his last fight. So it could be a great opportunity for Kyle to jump in there, take that fight, and see what he's made out of. Hermanson's like not matchup. bad. Hermanson's not bad either. I mean, Chris Curtis isn't bad either. That's well, Hermanson pulled out against Brendan Allen. So the main event for June 3rd is up for grabs. And then uh, oh. I think Brendan Allen wants uh, Sean Strickland to step up and fight him on that main event, rematch him. But he's he's scheduled for a main event against Michael Medoff on uh, July 1st, which is like the oddest. You see, when, when you got like a matchup like Strickland versus Michael Medoff as a main event, that's kind of a clue that you could see Kyle maybe stepping in against Brendan Allen. That could be a possibility. Kyle would be like, yo, I'm ready to fight. Slide me in there. And, you know, it's a main event spot, man, against a ranked guy. Uh, that could be something that, that could too. happen right now, man. They could be talking about it right now. Um, M was, uh, I think M was talking. I was thinking Kyle could feel, you see exactly what M was saying. Uh, you know, the, the, the Joker Hermanson is, uh, is out, right? So we'll see, man. Mikhail with Mikhail, right? I think they just need to put him against strikers, middleweight strikers. There's just, just is, is a title run in this future? Maybe, but right for right now. Just put them against strikers, guys that are going to stand and strike with them in the middleweight division. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, you just get good fights. Yeah, just get good fights because the dude is entertaining. He's just not entertaining when he fights wrestlers, right? It's just that's what it is unless he knocks the wrestlers out. But just let's let's just make, you know what I mean, good matchups for Mikhail. Get him paid. He's probably getting paid decent money to go out there and make good matchups, man. Stop with all this nonsense of, putting him against like mixed martial artists. I know it's MMA, but we want to see see some good matchups. Uh, uh, Emma's saying uh, Kyle versus Bruno Silva. That's a good matchup too. That's actually a solid fight right there. I'd I'd take Kyle in that one. I favor him in that fight. Um, Emma's saying uh, Kyle said, did say he broke his hand though. Did he? I didn't see that. Mm. Uh, I missed that one. So if it is, then he's definitely not going to step in uh to this fight but yeah a bright future for kyle is he a future champ um possibly is uh he still has a lot of you know he still has to march through a lot of doors or break down a lot of doors right to to reach like that conversation of like you know because right now who's the champ of the middleweight division adesanya right it's like you know i think kyle versus bo nickel would have been actually a good fight to be honest with you that would be yeah. a good fight. You know what I mean? Because Bo Nichols is fighting Trayshawn Gore, right? But I think Kyle versus Bo Nickel. You know what I mean? Because that would draw a lot of attention to Kyle, right? Whoever fights Bo Nickel is going to get on a pay-per-view main card, right? So Kyle would be a great guy. He would actually promote that fight really well. You know what I mean? Like, the dude is, you know, he draws attention. But mm-hmm. uh, Trayshawn Gore is fighting him. So we'll see what happens with that. And, uh, yeah, man, that's it. Like, exciting times for uh, Kyle, for sure. I think like he put himself on the map. He got a lot of people's attention with this fight, and Song Yadong as well. Now let's go to the the next fight on on the card on the main. What is it on the main uh, on the main card was uh, Rodolfo Vieira versus uh, Cody Brundage. Right. So the first round, you know, Cody Brundage was piecing up Vieira, right, and uh, I felt like he made. 
an error in judgment possibly by following Vieira and allowing him to recover. If he would have just stood back and made the referee stand up Vera, he probably would have got the TKO win, dude, because he was landing mm-hmm. so accurately against <clears throat> Vieira, right? It was just like, you know, just sometimes, man, in this game, one error, man, one error. And then after that, when the first round or the second round started and uh, Vieira went and pressed Cody against the fence to go for the takedown. Cody was grimacing like he was injured already for some, some for some odd reason, right? And maybe he he was injured in that first round. I don't know, but uh, yeah, man, what'd you think, uh, Sicko? Like that was that was an error in judgment, right? Like he could have got the TKO win in that first round. I thought it was I thought it was two errors that he made the first error, like you said, and the second one, the same thing. He got pressed, but he he's the one who jumped guillotine. It wasn't a takedown by Vieira. Vieira didn't shoot a double or get a trip or find a way to take him down on the mat. Cody jumped guillotine. He tried to get a submission. I just don't understand when you know the game plan coming in. That has to be the game plan, right? Avoid the ground with him. Stay standing. And when you have the success, you have to stay with it. The fact that he jumped into his guard when he got that first knockdown, it was frustrating to watch. I talked just right now about Kyle and his ability, that fight IQ, his ability to change it up in the second round complete opposite complete opposite for brundage like you have them you have them hurt you know it, you have to know who you're fighting right when you know the guy wants to fight on the ground when you know that he's that type of level of grappler and that jujitsu is his number one game plan and you're having success on the feet why are you jumping into his guard and then the second time when they come out in the second round if he was hurt okay maybe he was maybe he said oh well this is last ditch effort i'm just gonna jump guard i'm gonna try to jump this guillotine and see if I can get the choke because something's wrong. Maybe I could give him that. But for me, it was just frustrating to watch. It's frustrating to see somebody. And we see it a lot in the UFC where it's just like a natural habit, I guess, from sparring and just kind of doing the right things and being a true mixed martial artist. How many times do we see somebody rock somebody, have them up against the fence, they land a two, three punch combination, and then they drop for a double leg. They change levels, and it's like, no, you have them hurt. You're about to finish them. Like, stay on that. Put your foot on the gas and stay on it. So just frustrating all around to watch for Cody Brundage. And for Fiera, hey, man, if somebody makes a mistake, you're supposed to make them pay for it, and he, he did that for sure. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it was just – it's Fiera, man. He's he's a bully on the ground, man. Like, you want to stay away from it, bottom, top, whatever it is. Like, he's he lives there, right? Yeah. Like, he's always there. And it's, it was very, very, it's lessons learned, man. Like sometimes people will scream fight IQ, fight IQ, but sometimes it's not about fight. It's like instinct for some of these guys to just like knock somebody down and just rush in. It doesn't even, they forget who they're fighting sometimes, right? It's just like they knock them down. You're like, oh, I, I saw his head hit that canvas. I'm going to go in there and get that ground and pound. And then once you get in there and get tied up, you're like, oh shit, it's Vieira. You know, you forget, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, once he you don't sweeps, know what's going Yeah, you don't know what's go- Like, he was doing, like, the the like the like deep half guard, like, under, like sweeping under. Like, yeah. stuff yeah, that you don't really see it. in MMA because it's such a dangerous position. But Vieira is so comfortable on the ground that he'll do that, right? So, it's uh, it was a crazy fight, man. And Vieira, he got a win. He was super emotional. Um, I feel bad for, uh, for Brundage because he's going to watch that tape. And he's just going to be like, yo, kicking himself. Yo, like, 
why did I do that? But he's super young still, man. I think he's like 28 or something like that. So he's got time to develop. And uh, he just, you know, he's just starting off with Factory X. You know what I mean? He's been there for like maybe a, two years or something like that. But maybe not even that. But uh, yeah, just like he's improving. It's just these types of fights are going to make him better. Um, you know, sometimes when you win, you don't realize what you need to work on. But when you lose, you, it, you, you have to look yourself in the mirror. And, and face that right um jspec viera what do you think his ceiling is is he too old you know what the the luck is on his side even if he is you know later in the mileage because he's a grappler first and that's not going to change um he's, he will always be that grappler uh through and through for the rest of his career so with that being said you get more fight time grapplers get more days in the sun. And that's just how the fight game works in this era. And at least that's the way it's been working for the last 30 years. You know, grapplers just get more mileage. So uh, the other thing I want to say on the proactive side, not just passively because that's your style, uh, Den, regular in our watch parties uh, with Seko and I, he commented right away on Vieira's physique that his body type had kind of morphed and changed a little bit compared to his previous fights me uh leaning out if you will obviously he's still in great shape still very strong but you know kind of getting away from that less bulky frame so you know these are it's great to see uh if you see this someone putting in the the physical effort and dietary effort uh required to change the body in your 30s then that's a guy committed to his craft and we could see a, a shit ton more of Vieira. You're saying Vera looks smaller? He looked yeah, like, jacked. No, he looked jacked, but the the way he's proportioned, like look at two fights ago or so. He was more square. Um, that's all my best way I can describe that. Man, he's defo is like he's a guy that like the smell test, <laughs> he doesn't pass. Just look at him. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like he I, I think like whenever people like advertise jujitsu, like like one of the most popular pictures of is him like ripping off his gi, and he's just jacked, right? Just like massive and just all ripped. those dudes, man. All yeah, those dudes, it's, just, it's are insane, crazy. man. Some of those dudes that you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. It's just <laughs> you know the smell test, right? It's uh, it is what it is. Um, let's get into. Well, what do you think is next for Vieira, though? Like, what do you guys want to see? Who do you want to see him matched up against uh, in this uh, middleweight division? Definitely not Macau, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no thanks. Pass. Uh, I don't know. You know, that's the thing about Vieira, right? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't get people's give a shit going. I say this on certain fighters, and unfortunately, I say it about him, like. It's not like people are like, oh, can't wait to see Vieira fight. So, honestly, it's kind of like whoever the fuck they got. Whoever needs a fight, fight, fight this guy. That's that's my feelings about him. He doesn't capture any wow. There's no wow factor. Well, he needs to be tested with someone that has a decent ground game, right? Someone that, that could defend against submissions, right? That's just not going to melt on the floor. That's what we. That's what he needs. He needs that test, right? Like he's got his confidence back with this win. 
You know what I mean? And and I'm pretty sure he was doubting himself a lot in, in the last couple of losses. Uh, so I would like to see him fight anybody that has a ground game that that has, that can defend well against submissions. And then it allows Vieira to try to win fights with like a complete game rather than, you know, just with the ground, right? Like he has to wrestle, he has to scramble, he has to strike, he has to do everything. You know what I mean? Because if he doesn't, oh, M is right. GM3 versus Vieira. That is the That'd fight. That'd be fun. Yeah, That'd be fun. Perfect. Perfect, man. And yep. GM3 is coming off a loss as well. Uh, and he's he has so many fights. That's a that's a good fight. GM3 the scrambles on that would be fun to watch. Yeah. Good suggestion. Gonna, that, we need to get that quick, right? <laughs> now, let's move on to the next fight. Um, Julian? Not Julian. Julian Rosa, Julian, if you're like Spanish, right? Julian Rosa <laughs> versus um, uh, what is it? Fernando Padilla, and Padilla uh, yeah. goes in there and does his thing, like Pizza just boy. not even. I don't even think he took a punch. Did he? Look at the stats. Oh, he did. He landed fifteen. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rosa landed fifteen strikes, but the the heavy strikes, the heavy shots, Padilla, man. Like, what do you think of the stoppage, J-Spec? Like, people are screaming about it. I don't know why they're screaming about it. Like, they're screaming about it like it was a, it was the worst thing they'd ever seen. Let's let's not forget that less than a month ago, we had a, you know, not in the UFC, but Fury FC had a, a referee gaffe so terrible, so um, shitty. Just throw it out like that. It was so shitty work done by that referee that it caused outrage amongst MMA fans, uh, community as as a whole, and fighters, uh, everybody, because the dude, you know, has maybe permanent damage in his arm and was unconscious, went through seizure. Like all that being said, my point being is, folks, we can't have it two ways, right? It's not like we can protect all the fighters perfectly or to the death. And in this case, God, Juicy J got popped, man. Like, the first one, he went down, like, super legitimately. He was going down. He got it together somehow and got dropped again. It was, yes. Now, on the, 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 the counter to that, he was able to find his way magically, like a baby-born deer, to his feet somehow uh, against all odds. And started scooting out of there, showing intelligent, reasonable defense. For now, from the camera angles, I got to see sitting there watching TV like everybody else. I didn't get a clear shot at any point that he his eyes were, you know, off in La La Land. He wasn't looking at the rafters at any point. But on the other hand, I am not there like the ref is, and I'm not – I didn't have every angle. Like on that second shot, I never saw it's kind of like the NFL, right? Like you have to have conclusive 100 conclusive percent evidence. Well, on that first shot, I seen evidence that Juicy J was stare there. The second one, even though his body reacted and he was able to get on his horse and move laterally like a fucking Olympic athlete, the way he got out of there that second time, dude, he, he was in deep shit. So with all that being said, and looking at both sides of it, I'm totally okay with everybody who wants to be upset with it. Anybody who wants to call it an early stoppage, because it's right there. I think it, I think technically it is just a touch early. On the other side, 
fight we got to protect the fighters and juicy was in deep deep shit so not mad at the call but people who are i understand them i was saying that uh juicy j was knocked out you know in his last fight pretty bad right it was clean like he was he was shaking right like i asked him about it in the interview ahead of this fight against padilla about the recovery and he said it was normal you know what i mean like i took the doctor's orders what whatnot but i felt like he was coming back too fast like sometimes with knockouts you, you know you can't come back too fast and i thought he was coming back too fast and there is something to that i think i think 100%. there is something to getting knocked out and coming back too quick even if it's like three or four or five months I think you should probably take like six months or more after a knockout. Uh, and, and it looked like it did feel, you know, affect him in this one, right? Because Padilla, I don't think he's known to be like a power striker or anything like that. But when he landed clean, like he dropped him a couple times. Sickle, what'd you think of the 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 stoppage in, in, in Padilla's performance, man? After Padilla's he's been off for two years. Hey, two years well spent. He was in the lab because my goodness that he beat him down i mean every shot and even besides the two that dropped him every shot was a big shot man he was hitting him with a power hitting him clean his performance was brilliant as far as the stoppage i'm probably gonna get a lot of crap i'm probably one of the rare ones like i i would have done the same thing i would have stopped it man i would have been fooled i would have probably told him my bad i thought you were out that's on me but the way he went down both times the first time, eyes rolled back, went down, grabbed onto a leg, and recovered. And you know the ref saw that and was like, oh, shit. If he goes down like that again, I'm going to have to jump in there. But even the second one, yeah, the eyes were there. He popped up like a zombie. Well, that boy was dead. He just came back to life. Like, the way his head was turned, arms out. Like, that's a bad scene, man. For the people that are like, no, that's a horrible stoppage. Like, terrible. Those are the guys that are watching the fights like, finish him. Like, you want a guy to die in there? Like, he's if he stayed, if he didn't call it, he was just going to take another right hand. He was going to go to sleep. But, I mean, we've seen him, right? Everyone's going to say, hey, we've seen the examples of guys that were knocked down time and time again. A uh, fight that I'm thinking of with, um, dang it, who was it? Rose Namajunas, trainer, boyfriend, his favorite, his famous fight where he got, he dropped him like two, three times in the first round. Oh, Pat comes Barry. Back. And, Pat uh, Barry, yes, yes, yes. And uh, man, what was his name? It wasn't Chicago, Congo, was it? He fights for, he fights for, uh, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Yeah. yeah, that fight, right? You're always going to point to that fight. But it's like there's a lot more examples of guys that should have probably been stopped early and then they took one extra shot and then went completely night-night. I understand why he's frustrated. I would be too because I don't know how he popped up. I don't know how the hell he just popped up and was completely there after the second one. That shocked the hell out of me. I'm like, this dude is the walking dead. But I can't blame the ref because the scene, just the visual of those two knockdowns were bad. Yeah. Man, I think the ref, uh, Tagioni or whatever his name is, Tagione, he was just yeah, too slow. He was just too slow. Like, I think he was trying – like, he needs to be much faster if he's going to step in and stop the fight. Because that his delayed reaction kind of allowed Juicy J to get back saying. up. You know what I mean? If he would have stepped yeah, in much sure. earlier, then it wouldn't be such an argument. Because when you watch it, when Juicy J got back up, he was circling away and he seemed like he was all there, man. Cause he was arguing against it. Yeah, like immediately clear. It wasn't like he was wobbling and like, you know, like he was walking away. Dude, all... 
Yeah, no. No, and you get popped in the face just once, not fuck twice. We get popped in the face once where you lose your legs and then get go full speed laterally and not trip up or not look stupid. Like that that doesn't work. That's not how it works, folks. (laughs) That's not not how it works. So yeah, he but the ref, the ref man, he he made mistakes earlier in the night and Mm -hmm. it affects like whenever refs make mistakes early in the night, it haunts on and it, it, it affects them later in the card when they get in, step in there like there was a fight early in the night where a fighter grabbed the fence clearly grabbed the fence and it stopped the takedown and would have affected the fight the rest of that round completely but he just gave them a warning yeah and then after that fight you kept on hearing the other refs don't grab the fence don't grab the fence don't grab the fence don't grab the fence it's like don't grab the fence. You don't need to, you know, I think you could tell them like, you know, you can tell them things, right? But that's the warning. Once they do it, you take the point. Yeah, you because it's not it's not like an point. eye poke or, or a low blow where it's like, ah, I definitely didn't mean to do that. My fault. Unless where you're the fence grab, like, like, you meant to do it. <laughs> like, exactly. There's no and accidental there's fence the grabs. Whole, like, with the eye poke thing is if you're telling the fighter, yo, Keep your fingers from yeah. extending. Yeah. And you're telling them over and over, and then they poke the other guy in the eye. Yeah, you take a point. Like, you've been warning them. You know what I mean? Like, you warn them in the back before they come out, and then you're warning them again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they do it still. Like, you got to take the point. You know what I mean? Like, well, it affects the fight. If I poked you in the eye, you you don't think it's going to affect you for the rest of the fight? Absolutely. You know I mean? But that's that's where some of these things have to start becoming uh, more standardized, right? Like now where we're at in MMA today, you know, today, everybody fucking knows not to fuck around with a fence, right? This is in the early years where it went through so many different ways you could interpret a fence grab. Um, but now there's no there's no like confusion on using the fence. It's just don't just don't ever use it. Pretend like it doesn't exist. And so at, at this point, there needs to be more officiating that solidifies that way of thinking, you know? Um, and that's that's the only way we're going to fix that fence grab stuff because, yeah, you're right, week after week. And uh, I, I the one that's really murky, and I, well, this is not a ref, you know, ref and rules uh, discussion, but, you know, like nut strikes, man. Like, to me, I understand it's part of the game. That's why I think one free one is cool. But if you catch if you catch two in a round, I don't even I don't want to talk about it. Like if he gets two two low shots in a round, like that should be automatic point myself. I'm going off on my own my own things I hate, but there we go. Yeah. I mean, we always joke about it and it's it's messed up that we joke about it, right? We say, well, when you come into the fight, you're granted a free nut shot, a free eye poke, and a free fence grab. So go ahead and get your one free one for each one. But it's yeah, like exactly. that shouldn't be the case, man. We shouldn't. <laughs> I promise you, if people start getting points taken off, they're going to think a lot harder about it, especially the fence grabs, because it's like eye pokes. We've seen it before where somebody actually throws a strike and it was the thumb. You know, they just have their thumb out and it goes into the eye, which is is an eye poke. So it's like, "Ah, I understand a low blow. You know, you're looking to kick and somebody kind of comes in or they they drop, they change levels and you kind of hit them where you're you might have been trying to hit the inside thigh. They drop level a little bit. You, I get it. But a fence grab, it's like, how was that an accident? How is it an accidental fence grab? You're about to get taken down, and you're like, oh, no, <laughs> let me grab this fence real quick to not go down. Like, that has to – or you have to award the position for sure. Like, the position has to be awarded 
1000%. And then even the fact that if you do get a point taken out, it might even be worth it if you're gas and you're tired because they stand you up. Mm-hmm. If you grab the fence and they take a point, they don't put you back in that position. So if you're somebody that's like, dude, I'm, I cannot get up. This dude has been taking me down every round, holding me down. I'm gas. My only chance is to land a big shot on him. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fuck it. I'll give up the point. I'm down three rounds. I don't care. You're like What's double gripping the fence. <laughs> like Spider Man, like Spider Man when he fought Macho Man, Randy Savage, bro. He's just yeah. hanging on it because at the end of the day, they're gonna take a point. If you're down three rounds, take two points. I don't care. All I have to knock him out anyway, and this is my perfect yeah. opportunity to come back and be on the feet again. Like that, the entire rules around fence grabbing specifically needs to change, in my opinion. It does. Well, you know the the last weekend, right? You had the Bobby Green. Jared Gordon headbutt clash of head situation where when it was when the fight was over you had uh Paul Felder screaming and you could probably hear everything everybody the commission could hear everything that's going on what he's talking about so they decide to review the fight and then they overturn it to a no contest right Mm -hmm. why is that not happening for these fence why is it like these rules man why are they not like altering them why are they not like revising them like what what is going on with like it doesn't make any sense why is the replay not being used more often you know i mean like it just i don't understand like why these commissions do like they're we've never seen the worst right i don't think i've ever seen that have we ever seen a situation where there was a fence grab the ref didn't see it but then somebody outside like the replay saw it and was like hey he grabbed the fence put him back in that position that's never happened there's gotta be refs outside like at least two refs on each side. So when there's something going on, like they can scream to the main ref. Yeah. Like yeah, something, put yeah, in a fence position. grab or something they can't see. They got to be able to like make a decision there to stop the fight and say, yo, the dude was grabbing the fence. He was utilizing the fence. Let's go look at the replay. And then they could look at the replay, start the fight back up. Back Point there, deduction, yeah. blah, blah, blah. They, they need to, and then they need to make it quick. You know what I mean? They don't need to make it all long and shit. It doesn't take fucking 15 minutes like the NFL. Is it me or are they trying to decide what the best case scenario for the fight? Like they're trying to think of all the things about that fight to come up with a decision instead of just like, if you do A, then B happens. You know what I mean? Like they're sitting there like, oh, do we want to take the point? Man, this is a close fight. They're like, not you can't being think that way. They're not you can't, you being can't even proactive. think that way. You have to just be like, hey, this is exactly what happens when you do this. And that's it. We don't care yeah. if the fight's close. We don't care if this loses you the fight. It's not our job to worry about that. Our job is just to enforce the rules. It's well. It's, uh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say one of the things is, uh, at least in Nevada, they have a separate judge or not. Excuse me, not judge, but a referee's assistant. I don't know. He's part just. Yeah, it's part of the commission. He's sitting there watching that screen, and there's a totally separate guy with his own computer sitting there with a little yellow flashlight that i'm sure you guys have seen on ufc shows by now um so there is a little bit of like a team dynamic when it goes into regards of the uh, replay uh, at least for the nevada athletic commission but this just kind of goes into a bigger fucking deeper uh, bigger hole that we have in the sport and that is the absolute non-unification of rules like you don't play football differently in different states. Uh, so it's uh, that's a whole nother discussion. Excuse me for hitting my mic. Um, yeah, it's weird. 
Listen, cattle prods. Give give the refs cattle prods. You know, get your hands off the fence. You don't know? listen. Bzz, bzz, done. Heck yeah, yeah Preston, just, uh, for sure, bro. It's uh, go to bed, son. It's it's just a never ending <laughs> thing, man. For them, that they are incompetent, and you just have to deal with it. And it's like fighters don't really have the power to to go against them. And if they do, then they will be punished for it. And we've seen Dude. it many times in the past. Yeah. So, so I don't yeah. want to harp on it for like an hour because it's just, you know, we, we could say what we say, but it's just like, it's an endless war pole of just incompetence. That's all we can pretty much say about it. as well. Inconsistency. Yeah. So um, now let's, uh, before we move on to next week's card, we just talk about that a little bit. Did you guys have any, uh, you know, fighters or fights that you really enjoyed on this one? Like you really would like to discuss any further, any performances? Sicko, go ahead. Yeah, the uh, Ager and Irina Alexiva. Alexiva? Sorry if I'm butchering that last name. I thought that fight was just interesting all around because of the backstory to it. Irina comes in, first round sub, knee bar. I think only the fourth uh, knee bar in women's history in the UFC. So that's cool. She, you know. It's not something that you see every day. So you want to say, okay, let's give her the flowers. What a good performance. She came out. She was entertaining, but she missed weight, and she missed weight by a lot. And the thing that I hated about it more than anything was a quote that I found from her after the fight. So this was her quote. She said, I feel great, and even though I did not make the weight, I feel great even though I did not make the weight, but the thing was much more important for me to keep this fight. This was something that me and my team decided together. If I were to make the weight, most likely I would be so depleted in there that there was zero chance that I would be able to fight and I would have to cancel the fight. And then I would let down the UFC and my opponent. So it was more important for me uh, to maybe come in a little bit overweight, but at the same time, make sure that fight happens. So how can we put any stock in you? How can we put any type of investment in you in the future? If you're saying I literally would have had to cancel the fight if I tried to make the weight. So I just stopped trying. I just said, screw it. I'm done trying. I'm not going to cut these last five pounds. I'm just going to weigh in like this. Hopefully she still takes the fight. I'll lose my purse, whatever. And that was just one of those things where the performance was so good, but it's like, damn, what do we think for you moving forward? I mean, she was just so impressive, but, and, and I get it. She doesn't have a lot of experience, not a whole lot of pro experience. At least I couldn't really find too much amateur experience from her either. So maybe the lack of experience isn't just in the octagon but the lack of experiences in nutrition knowing how to cut weight properly maybe that you could put that on a team and say hey maybe she needs a new team maybe she needs to get a nutritionist maybe the ufc can help her with that obviously you know the uh the pi or all the stuff that they have for you like it, it shouldn't be that hard to make weight anymore and you know it was just it was one of those things where it, it sucks to take away a great win but you have to do it when when you miss weight by that much well, basically, she admitted to having a like having an advantage exactly. by missing weight. Yeah. And uh, and and there you go. You know, what I mean, like fighters are going to do that. And she's one of the only ones that will admit it. But at the same time, you know, um, they, they they need to take more of purses, man. If they're going to miss weight, they got to take more money from the fighters that miss weight. That's just the only solution to it. Just just because you're taking a risk by taking on somebody that, you know, had uh uh, a weight advantage, so to say. Uh, remember Marcus the Mustard Izzy rant, right? Remember Israel yeah. Asanya when he was in there for, I believe it was Kaikar France, when his opponent came in way overweight, and he was saying, like, dude, they don't care about the money. They just want to get the bump up. They just want to get the yeah. win to get the next thing. If you start 
80%, something high like that. I promise you, these people that are coming over five pounds, they're not going to come in five pounds over. They're going to try. They're going to at least try their hardest to get on weight where you can't have people just going, I'm good. I'm not even going to try. And that goes into like fighter pay now, you know what I mean? Because the fighters are taking fights and then they can't back out last second because they need to get that next paycheck. Whoever's, mm -hmm. you know, like that, actually that made weight, you know what I mean? It's not their fault, but they have to take their next paycheck because if they don't, they, you know, maybe they don't have any money at all. You know what I mean? Like they're just fighter pay is intertwined with that as well. Jay yeah. Speck, what do you think? What do you, what, what do you see in the, the rest of the card on the prelims that you wanted to get into? I will gladly take this moment to bring up a fight that had my heart and uh, my heartstrings all tied up in knots before the event started. Uh, and that was between Cody Durden and Charles Johnson. Uh, both awesome dudes. I know you've interviewed them a bunch, JHK, and uh, I have, and they've just come around the spaces tons of times. Both gentlemen, classy, strong fighters, all that stuff. Uh, they came out, you know, and they, they, they did what we thought they would they would they would challenge each other look good um both men strong like i said um but durden showed him that there's and then at least in the wrestling category he had he had his number and was you know just clearly superior in that one area i, I feel like the rest of the match was pretty even but it just come straight to wrestling uh mr durden had him um on the other side of that i uh I just want to put like a tip, like you know, like a little crick in my neck, a little tipping on my head, thinking about you know what's up with Mr. Johnson. You know, I think I think Charles Johnson's way too good of a fighter uh, for the record he has in the UFC currently right now. You know, I, I think the the record doesn't reflect the fighter in this one moment, and he's he's probably in a situation now. Um, you know, just all honesty, he's probably in a situation where where his next fight he needs to win. So with that being said, you know blessings on your next matchup i hope it's favorable and uh all that good stuff so yeah that was the fight that that was kind of like maybe off the radar not on everybody's watch list but it was definitely on mine and uh happy for it all right now let's uh move on to next week's card we have oh, real uh, quick i think we'd be doing a huge disservice if we didn't just shout out marcus mcgee three days notice got the job done Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, man. A lot of people won money on Marcus McGee. They they didn't know about him. And yeah, uh, oh yeah. And you know they cleaned house with Marcus McGee. Now, um, let's get into the next week, man. UFC two eighty eight, Sterling versus Cejudo. The the main event, bantamweight title, New York, New Jersey, Prudential Center. It's a it's a crazy matchup. I feel like. Um, Henry Cejudo coming back is great for the division. Even though the division has killer after killer after killer, it's always good to have Henry Cejudo there because he is the Olympic gold medalist. He is the, the bantamweight champ. He's the triple flyweight C. champ. He's triple C. You know what I mean? He just makes everything a little bit more interesting. You know, not inside the cage. Well, inside the cage as well, but outside the cage. You know what I mean? Like, he's just a character, and we love characters. So uh, let's just talk about the the breakdown of the matchup and what do you guys see in this fight? Let's start with you, uh, sicko. Who do you favor and why oh, do you favor? Oh man. It's such a tough one to see. If, if I'm saying that Henry hasn't lost a step, if I'm saying the layoff hasn't affected Henry, because I don't know if it has or not, he's not coming back in. There's this isn't boxing. He doesn't get a tune up fight. He's coming straight in for the championship, for the title. 
So I, I'm just going to assume that Henry is still the same Henry. And if that's the assumption, I favor him in this fight. I think it's going to be hard for Aljo to get to his back. It's going to be hard for Aljo to out-wrestle him. He has size advantage. He's a big guy. I think he walks around heavier than Henry. Obviously, he's going to have the height and reach on Henry. But that Olympic pedigree, man, this isn't a D1 from some where you know he was an all-american like this is a guy who won a gold medal in wrestling to think that i'm just gonna take him down i'm gonna hold him down i'm gonna get to his back i don't see it and we've seen henry work on his striking the problem is has he been really working as hard as he used to was he in the gym training for real the whole time off or did he just start doing that now has he lost a step it's tough, man. It's tough. But for right now, I'm leaning Henry Cejudo. Plus, Sugar Sean O'Malley's number one fan. I want to see Sean O'Malley and Henry Cejudo. I think if it sounds better, to be honest with you. All right. Um, well, you know, Cejudo did get a little bit plump, you know, with in his time okay. away. But the thing is, he I believe that he was always training or he was always training someone. He was always doing classes. Like, he's a big part of Fight Ready. He's a big part of, like getting oh, yeah. his fighters ready that train there. And there's a lot of fighters that go to fight ready now, like that have like moved their camps to fight ready just because of the combination of coaches that they have. You got Henry Suhudo, who's a, who's a coach fighter. You got Eddie Cha, you got uh, Franco. Uh, I forgot his name, Franco something. He's one of the main coaches there. You got, uh, you got Henry Suhudo's brother, I believe who is the wrestling coach. And then in a bunch of other wrestlers, like D one wrestlers coming in to train, you got all kinds of people just flying in from Brazil. Um, and, you know, from talking to people that have done their camps or that did that were doing their camps recently in Fight Ready, they're telling me that Henry Suhudo has been bringing in bantamweights, high level bantamweights all the time to get ready for uh, Aljamain Sterling. Like he is not leaving any stone unturned. And the, the reason why these bantamweights enjoy that is because they get to take advantage of all the training partners that Henry Cejudo is bringing in. Like right. they're all training together, right? Um, Henry Cejudo, he has a skill set. You know what I mean? He 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 has the experience. If you look at the the numbers, right? He's he's shorter. Hit man, the the reach, there's a 7-inch reach difference, right? For uh for a Sterling. Um both guys are good on the ground, just different styles, right? Henry Cejudo's more of a wrestler. You know, Aljo can wrestle, but he's more of a jiu-jitsu guy. Um, I don't think this fight is going to be on the ground, to be honest with you. This is what I see. I feel like this fight is going to be on the feet, and this is going to be a striking battle. They might clinch up. They might threaten with the takedown along the fence or whatnot, but I feel like if it does like go to the ground, and you know, I'm pretty sure one of them will take each other down eventually, but I think they're just going to hop back, pop back up, and they're going to be striking, and it's going to be a striking battle, and someone's going to get pieced up on the feet. I don't know if it's going to be Sterling. I don't know if it's going to be Cejudo, but someone's going to get pieced up on the feet and it might lead to a way of like, you know, if, if Sterling does win, I feel like he utilizes his reach advantage as a unique style of striking to maybe hurt, you know, uh, Cejudo and then maybe lock up a submission. But I don't think he's going to just jump on him and he's going to be just so dominant that he just locks it up like a like a Corey Sanhagen situation. I don't think it's going to be like that. But on the flip side, I can see Cejudo going in there and really putting on a striking clinic against Sterling, like using his speed. And, you know, he has that funky, like karate, karate style. Mm -hmm. And and he has such good wrestling to where 
he can take risks and he's not in trouble because he can get back up and scramble and all that good stuff, right? So those are the two things that I'm looking at. I'm looking at Sterling maybe hurting Suhudo on the feet and maybe locking up a submission somehow like that. Or I could see um, Suhudo piecing up Sterling throughout five rounds or maybe even hurting him on the feet and knocking him out. Those are the things that I can see. But then, you know, I can see Suhudo winning a decision as well. I'll let you guys know what I think at the end, but I want to get to Jay Speck and get his thoughts first. Well, on this one, this is a great, great situation in the sense of the timing of it is just right. And when I say that, a lot of people go, what the fuck are you talking about? Suhudo's been out almost three years. That's that's the point. If, he, if Suhudo's out any longer than this, this becomes a complete joke. This becomes a complete, what the fuck are we even talking about? Like, did he been gone forever? But on the other hand, it's doable, but also an insane challenge. And then you're attaching Suhudo's name to insane challenge. Like a guy who's been doing it his whole damn life, pretty much. Um, now, there's a couple of things that can play for the benefit, right? He's 36. So for me, in this lighter weight class, 36 years old is expired. Sorry, all your attributes are declining. This is a video game. Year by year, your stuff will be going down. It's just the way it is. Uh, and for the lower weight classes, I think that year is 32. So he's already 36. He's had some time off. But the advantage there is healing up, healing up a, a, a body that has been ravaged by combat sports since I don't know how old Henry was when he started wrestling, but I'm assuming it was a child, as most Olympian wrestlers are. Um with that being said, sometimes we've seen it a good number of times where that late, you know, later in your 30s, that walk away from the sport, so to speak, heals yourself, lets it, and and all those that those decades of repetitive action, they don't go away. They don't go away like the stiff joints and the, the other aches and pains you have. They, they they come right back, and you can come back and win the world championship like nothing ever changed. Like time stood still for you, and you uh, have an earmark. You versus time, and and you have a win. That that's what Henry is trying to do right now. That's how big it is, in my opinion, as a fan and an admirer of what they're doing. But the reality is, you have a man still in his prime, didn't leave anywhere, had a lot of injuries, a lot of stories, a lot of side high, high drama in other places, but he stayed the course, and. He's in his prime, bigger than you. And when we think about, like you said, JSK, you said perfectly that the odds of this turning into some kind of Olympic wrestling match is probably not likely. Yeah. And the rest of those attributes require timing that I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. There's just a combination of where you are in your age group and how much time has gone by on planet earth that decides ring rust. And I think 36 for a lightweight fighter. And I keep saying lighter weight. I know he's not lightweight. This is uh 25, but uh, 35, excuse me. Um, that th there's, there's, there's a lot of things against Cejudo. So realistically at the end of the day, when you really are truthful about the situation, uh, Sterling should have the advantage here. He should defend and retain the title. Um, but why not? I'm going to throw my pick out there. I just want to see greatness and craziness happen. I, 
if if there is a guy that is going to be the Olympian and multi division champ and walk away from the sport and come back and snatch it all like it like it was all his this whole damn time, uh, shit. Then let it be Cejudo, man. Let it be the king of cringe himself, you know. But I think Sterling should win this. All right, let's get some comments up first. Uh, Preston is saying Henry has a has had this cut under his eye for a while now. I'll be watching for that when it comes to damage given. Uh, let's see what he is. If anyone know how to beat size, that's Suhudo. He knows how to get inside if he wants. Um, we have a thousand dollars. You have a thousand dollars. You can bet on this fight and. And taking away who you have emotional attachment to, what do you think is going to happen in this fight? We'll start with you, Sicko. You have $1,000 to bet on this fight. And if you win, you win $10,000, right? So what do you see? Like, you got to pick exactly what's going to happen. How do you see it's going to happen? Like, you pick the guy, say what's going to happen. Let us know. What do you think? I'm going to say Cejudo, decision, striking battle. Cejudo just does more. He lands cleaner shots. I think he hurts Aljo. I think Aljo may start shooting a little bit unwisely. That's how I see the fight going. But again, that's just with the assumption that Henry still the same Henry. J-Spec, what is yours? I think my prediction would be Sterling horses around, uses his overall size and athleticism and just wins an incredibly boring fight that no one remembers and uh, we'll all hopefully you know forget soon enough but i see it boring slow even booing perhaps going on in this matchup uh but in a couple of rounds for for just a few seconds I see Aljo being squirrely and taking the back of Cejudo. I'm not saying in a threatening fight finishing kind of way but just enough so you can argue that those rounds were his, and then we end up with a decision in favor of and still. Cejudo, right? He's been on a long layoff. The last person he fought was Dominic Cruz, which is a fighter that was on the downslide of his career. Before that, he fought Marlon Moraes. You see what Marlon Moraes is doing right now, right, in PFL. And uh, and before that, he beat TJ Dillashaw, and that was a depleted TJ Dillashaw, you know, at 125. He's and he's getting old. He's 36. Like 36 in like welterweight is old, especially if you Talk look years. at the, the history of like people over 35 in championship fights, it's it's staggering like how many losses there are. There's like maybe I don't even know, like maybe two or three wins for those like older fighters, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna in my prediction, a thousand dollars bet. I'm going to take Aljamain Sterling in this fight. And I and I agree. It's going to be a boring fight. It's going to be a fight where a lot of people are going to hate Aljo even more. Because that's <laughs> just what, you know, he does. You know what I mean? And it's it's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. And and he's going to do something that, you know. The only, the only red flag that I have that I see is that Aljo didn't seem like he had Marab helping him throughout the whole camp. Because if you remember, Barab was out in like Europe or something doing like appearances in Italy. And, you know, like he was just doing his own thing. Right. So that's that's kind of a concern. That's kind of a red flag. But other than that, I'm going to take Aljo in this fight. I think we always underestimate him. And he's he's fought the tougher competition as of late. And he's beaten the tougher competition. I think he does take the back 
and he holds that position for a long period of time. And we're going to see a lot of this. Yeah. So. You know, like, yeah, we're going we're to see a lot of that, I think. That's what's going to happen. And uh, and and Hussudo's going to get out. They're going to stand back up, and they're going to strike. But it's going to be five rounds of that. And uh, do I want to see that? No. But I feel like that's what we're going to see. So it is what it is. Y'all bumming me out. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 Henry you know, by the head kick. No, no emotions, no emotions, right? So um, let's go to the co-main event, right? Because this is, I feel like this is a much more exciting, fun, more, yeah, much more fun, exciting matchup. You got Bala Mohammed and Gilbert Burns coming in both on short notice, two weeks, right? And they're going to go five rounds. They're, they're, they're like, hey, wow, we're going to create our own destiny, right by fighting each other and this is this is what you love man in this sport is like when they do put these fights together and the only reason they're putting this fight together for this card is because Oliveira and Darius was canceled and rebooked later on in the year J-Spec let's start with you man what do you see in this in this matchup the fight gods curse us by removing Darius and Oliveira from our life at least temporarily but then they smile upon us and bless us with this great ass match, dude. I couldn't love this anymore if I tried. Like this is, you know, we were talking about this issue, and I say the issue being the championship issue or the weight class, blah 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 blah. And you know, obviously, uh, Mr. Burns feeling a little disrespected, but uh, and all the other storylines that we had really wrapped up in this small group of fighters at this weight class. And uh, man, I'm happy to see this. This being like uh, JSK said, like manifesting your own destiny. I don't know if it t- technically fits like that, but who gives a shit? Uh, two guys who are gonna make it pretty much undeniable, unarguable. They're gonna they're gonna stand up in front of all of us. They're gonna fight each other. Somebody's gonna win, and we're gonna have a perfect, perfect resolution to the weight class and who's next and who deserves it and all that. It's it's good because it was it was a little ugly and shitty, honestly. I, I didn't like talking about it already. Uh now it's like I said, everything's fixed. The rainbows come out and the fight gods are all happy. Sicko man, what do you think? Oh, I want to believe the fight itself is gonna be great. I'm really excited that this fight got put together. I honestly wish they would both have a full camp. I don't I want to see them both at their best in a five round fight. Um, but you know, it is what it is. They had to make it happen. I think both of them, especially Bilal Muhammad has felt like he has to just go out there and just make it himself and and be so undeniable. And I want to believe you, Rob. I want to believe that this answers the question of who's next. I want to believe you that whoever wins this fight, there's just, you can't deny it anymore. They, they took it on each other. They've been active. They've been winning. So whoever wins, this should be next for Leon. It ain't happening. (laughs) Whoever wins this is next after Colby fights Leon. Like, unfortunately, man, I want to see the winner of this get the title shot. Of course, of course, we do. We always want to see the people who are earning it, who are active, who are in there. Not the person whose last fight was in a restaurant when he got sucker punched by Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> like, we want to see the guys who are out there doing what what we ask of them, right? Entertaining us and and being those warriors. But Colby's just promised, dude. And and unlike Sean O'Malley, right? I'm not saying, hey, I can still see a situation because Dana and these guys haven't really came out and said Sean O'Malley is guaranteed the next title shot. They, they've been like, yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, like they always do. They didn't say that with Colby. 
They said 100%. And then when they asked Dana again, he said, Colby's next. And every time Sony brings it up, he goes, Colby's next. I don't know what they got. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what kind of behind the scenes stuff is going on, why Colby is promised this spot. And he doesn't even have to fight anybody to get it. But it's going to be Colby next. And then these guys are just fighting for the next spot. So I think whoever wins this, their next fight 100% will be for a title. But after Colby fights. Ooh. <laughs> now, this matchup, though. Like, let's talk about the matchup and what, what we're going to expect out of these fighters. Um, let's get some of these comments. Mani says, I see him putting a pace on Gilbert and staying away from big shots. Preston, I love how both these guys stepped up, but I see it being kind of a boring as well. Um, Bilal's pace going to be too much. So both guys believe uh, Bilal's pace will be the the story of the fight. Um, like I said, $1,000, you win, you get 10000 What do you see happening? Let's start with J-Spec first. Man. Uh, damn. What I really see happening is what I don't want to see happen. Uh, I see Bilal winning this fight via a wrestling match. Um, both guys have shown really good action in that department. Um, Gilbert obviously showing great skills um, there in so many different ways and to maybe even counter with a submission that could happen. But most likely I see Muhammad just taking him down frequently, having to get back up because Gilbert will get back up. And I see both guys working their balls off in a forever marathon type of wrestling match. And, uh, yeah, Blog Blog wins this match uh, by decision. Uh, I didn't want to say it, but I did. Uh, my heart goes with Gilbert, and my fan that goes with my heart thinks that if there is any snowball's chance in hell for Gilbert Burns to be doing anything great with his career, it has to happen now, and he has to defy the odds. Oh, is he the favorite in this fight? It looks like he's the favorite. So he actually not, do not defy the odds. Go with the odds and uh, beat the guy they expect you to beat. Sicko, what do you see? Gilbert Burns by submission. I understand why everyone's saying, but I was going to put that pace on him. And this is why I had just said earlier, I wish this fight was with a full camp where they're not coming in last minute or not being three rounds. I think Bilal can't do what he usually does. I think he has to be a little more patient. I feel like he has to be a little bit more measured. I mean, he's always measured. Uh, I'm not saying Bilal goes in there like a wrecking ball and just fucking goes crazy. But I don't think he's going to be able to really set a pace early on. I think he's going to try to pace himself. And then round three, once you get into round three and round four, then he starts picking it up. But I can see a situation where Gilbert lands a big shot on him, allows force. We talked about it before where, hey, sometimes you know Gilbert Burns is a bad man on the ground. Sometimes you understand that that jujitsu pedigree that Gilbert Burns has, which people sometimes forget because Gilbert loves to throw some power shots. Gilbert loves those overhand rights. But sometimes people forget Gilbert's a bad man when it comes to jujitsu. And I can see a situation where Bilal gets hit, Bilal gets tagged, and he shoots a takedown, and Gilbert ends up in a darce, or they just end up in a scramble where Bilal's forced to give his back. I can see an arm triangle. I can see a RNC. I can see a darce that I said earlier. Like uh, that's how I see the fight. I'm not. I don't want to do decisions anymore, man. I got bummed out talking about the main event and about how it's gonna be boring and go to a decision. <laughs> Gilbert Burns by submission. That's what's gonna happen. Place your bet. Thank me later. All right, 
Bilal Muhammad, man, he's on an incredible, incredible run. And one thing about that run is that he kind of sticks to the same game plan. And he just grinds the gears on that and, and just wears on guys. And I don't think he's taken a short notice fight throughout that whole run. I don't think he has. Mm. And that's something interesting to look at as well. You know what I mean? Uh, I believe he was training the whole time. I believe he's been working the whole time to be ready whenever the opportunities come. So I don't think he's not prepared. But is he full camp prepared? That's the question. And coming and, off of Ramadan as well. And coming off of Ramadan, I don't know the situation with that. But, you know, people say that, you know, you can't train as hard as you want to in that situation. Um, and I feel Bilal is not going to change anything up because it's been working for him the whole time. You know I mean? He's going to work. You know, he's going to do what he wants to do. He's going to put the pressure on you. He's going to try to grind you down and, and either win a decision or, or try to TKO you with volume, right? And I feel like that's what he's going to do. Gilbert knows that. And I think Gilbert's prepared. Gilbert's like one of the most cerebral guys out there, right? He's always ready for everything. And he kind of understands like where you're strong and where he's strong. And uh, and I think he learned so much from, you know, which fight he learned so much from is the title fight where I think he made the most mistakes is where he went out there and he was just overzealous. Winging him. Yeah. Winging yeah, him too sense. hard. And he learned so much from that. You know what I mean? And I think that, that fight was actually really good for him. And I wish that fight would actually happen to him before the title fight. Cause I think the title fight would have been much different, but anyways, Gilbert, he's ready. He has this massive team behind him as well. Right. He's got like nutritionists, SSC, like he has a major team around him. I don't know if Bilal has that right to, to get him ready in such a short period of time, but sometimes you don't need that as a fighter, right? Sometimes you just need to train and you just step in there and you perform. But I think this is what's going to happen. I think Bilal goes in there and he uses the same, Game plan, and but he's gonna get he's gonna grind himself down, you know. What I mean, Gilbert's gonna be able to grind with him, you know. What I mean, and Gilbert's gonna be able to pick his spots, and Gilbert has the power to hurt him, you know. What I mean, and I think that that is gonna be the difference maker on the feet. It's gonna go to the ground no matter what. These guys are gonna scramble, these guys are gonna try to, you know, look for submissions. But I think Gilbert's gonna win this fight, and I think Gilbert's gonna win this fight in the later rounds. I think this. You know, Bilal's not going to go away easy. I think he's going to go away in like the third, fourth, or fifth round. I think that's what's going to happen. Or it's going to be a decision. But I see the submission as well. I see that Gilbert's going to, you know, he's going to tire him out. You know, he's going to out-cardio him. Oh, this and is a five-round fight. Shoot, yeah. my bad. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, I think it only helps him that he did fight Jorge. And that fight wasn't even a hard fight for him. No, for real. If you go back and watch that fight, he didn't really, you know, it didn't. He didn't take many shots. You know what I mean? No. Like he just went in there and kind of like did what he wanted to do. He just couldn't finish him, and uh, and now he's off to the next one. And he's super determined. And he also knows that um, that this is his time. If he doesn't win this fight, his he understands that he has to go to back of line, which means pretty much, you know, it's gonna be hard for him to go for the title again. So he, he's putting everything into this, right, to getting the title shot, to putting himself in there. I feel like that's – mentally, It's you're in a different place. And I feel Gilbert Burns is going to go out there and do his thing. Um, it's, but it's going to be a crazy fight, man. I, I hope it's not boring. 
I mean, because imagine co-main event and main event, both boring fights. That yeah, would uh, that'd be terrible. That'd I don't think it's going to be boring. I think it's going to be a grappling like masterclass that the the not grappling inclined fan might bitch about while the rest of the UFC fans go, no, that was great. What do you mean? That's if, what I think. If, That's- if that does happen, Gilbert Burns has a huge advantage because Gilbert Burns has so much experience in ADCC, which is just all grapple, heavy, just super scrambles, everything. And, and he's excelled in that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah even and if, if Bilal scoring take- takedowns, he's still not safe there. Yeah, because he's gonna go for submissions. Like he understands, and and he's you know he trains with like one of the best no gi grapplers in the world. Uh, Ragnar, uh, was it Wagner Rocha? I mean, even Hamza, right? Hamza was able to take Gilbert down twice, and Gilbert got Nothing. back up. Like yeah. he, he yeah, wasn't so. able to. And we've seen Hamza ragdoll dudes and get submissions quickly. Not and Gilbert, Gilbert, I don't think he's gonna fight like that either. He like you know I've done interviews with him. He's Actually, I did an interview. I did an interview with him a couple of days ago for this fight coming up, and I interviewed him before the last fight against Jorge. And uh, yeah, his demeanor and like his effort and his like the way he programs everything for his fights now, and he understands he's older, right? He understands like he doesn't have much time. The window is closing, so he cannot make mistakes. And that's a you know that's a different type of Gilbert, right? He. You know, after that um, Hamza fight, his wife told him, like, you can't get into those fights anymore. Like, you can't just go in there and, and try He's to kind of force into that one, man. <laughs> He's yeah. kind of forced into that one. Hamza yeah. is a wild boy. You kind yeah. of have to. But he could have stayed back and, like, kind of, like, try to play the, the distance game with Hamza. But he just went in there into the fire. And, and yep. arguably, he might have won that fight, too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people would have argued if he would have got the decision winning that one. So, uh, but I don't think we're going to see that. We're not going to see these guys winging crazy punches. And uh, there's so much on the line, dude. so much on the line in this fight. So we'll see, man. I I, I'm excited for it. Anyways. uh, There you go, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you guys go to the descriptions and download the all-star app. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Uh, Go follow sicko at sicko sports. Go follow J spec, J spec, the host, uh, go join them in the spaces for all the events. Uh, yeah, they they have a good time over there. And uh, make sure you guys follow me at Korean John underscore. I changed my tag because you know I'm not verified anymore, so it doesn't matter. You know, what I mean, I, before I was like verified, they didn't allow me to change my tag for some reason. I don't know uh, why, but but now I can, and so I changed it to something not MMA. You know what I mean? Because I'm not just MMA. Like I'm other stuff. I'm a person. He's more than MMA, folks. Yeah. So now if you see me on the ESPN, it says, you know, a different tag. I'm but, sure they're uh, going to love Korean John. They're like, yeah, we brought in Korean John. Yeah, they, they have to fill in their Asian quota for the diversification. Yeah, one female Korean. We need a male Korean and our, our lineup is set. Yeah, just on. Uh, that's their like, like non-spending ways of... Uh, of putting someone in there anyways uh yeah thank you guys for joining us uh we'll be back next week to uh recap this you know ufc 288 uh sure. same time sunday night 8 p.m eastern and uh yeah man you guys uh you guys hang on and uh, we'll see you guys peace out